The following is a presentation of the All Andy Elford Network, powered by Anchor. And you are listening to this podcast on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network. Whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Stitcher, and Pocket Cast. However you're listening, and wherever you're listening, thank you for tuning into the program. And you can always follow the show on Twitter. It is at All Andy Elford. It is at all Andy Alfred. What an opening night in the National Football League. The Buffalo Bills prove me right. And they are the team to beat this season in the National Football League. And I know you've been waiting for this. I know you've been wanting my picks. You're, you come to the right place, my friends. NFL Week 1 Picks. Coming up on tonight's episode of All Andy Alfred. We went 29-8 in week one in college football last week. Week two picks are here as well. And it's opening night and the home opener for our Bowling Green State University Falcons. Can the Doit rock the white? Well, the Tigers go out to L.A. and lose. Cleveland plays Kansas City and wins, and a huge series for the Guardians starting tonight in Minnesota. And the Dana Open has come and passed. New champion Gabby Lopez from Mexico. Could she be the last champion in this tournament? We'll talk about it tonight, right here. On this Friday, Falcon Friday edition of all Andy Alford right here on the Anchor Network. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. And a shot at a goal. 54 runs in the span. I'd really shut out. Dumbino hit to a home run. Go home, Jack. That's way back. Put some extra relish on my hot dog. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Choo-choo, it's time for all Andy Alfred. And with that, I say, oh, I love you guys. And welcome into another edition of all Andy Alfred right here on your exclusive home for me. That is with the Anchor Network. And you are listening to me tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever, whenever, and however you're listening, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for tuning into the show tonight to hear what is happening in the sports world as well as what's happening in my everyday life. You can be a part of our show as always by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred as well as Facebook.com. Slash all Andy Alfred and welcome into this Falcon Friday, Friday, September 9th edition of all Andy Alfred tonight right here on the Anchor Network. Lots to get into tonight, of course. We'll dive into the new reports that are coming out from the Blade and their article on Thursday about the possibility that we might have seen the last LPGA event in Northwest Ohio, and you'll hear my thoughts about that as well, and as well as this past tournament as well. Also, we will hear you'll hear my thoughts 
on the past week for in the diamond when it comes to the Reds as well as the Guardians and as well as the Tigers. We'll look at the matchup for this week as well. Also, it is college football's second week. It's the home opener for our Bowling Green State University Falcons. We'll hear from Coach Scott Leffler at his press conference this past week. You'll hear his thoughts on the Eastern Kentucky team that we will be facing tomorrow at 4 o'clock at the night as it is a whiteout at Dwight L. Perry Stadium. And so much more. But first and foremost, before we continue on, I want to send a special thank you to my good friends, Robert Logan Bear Paul, of course, the source, as well as Phil, Philip, don't call me Teddy Bear, Truman Bennett, for a terrific show this past Tuesday. If you haven't heard our NFL prediction show, then, you know, first of all, why aren't you subscribing? Hit the subscribe button. We do shows two times a week here on all Andy Elf, on the all Andy Elfer network. So if you haven't seen, heard the show, go back and listen to it. It is a fantastic show, a full hour and 45 minutes of talking about all the things, national football league, getting you set for the big games that are happening. The big season that is ahead of the national football league as well. And we had great games, la- a great game last night in the national football league when it comes to the Buffalo bills and the Los Angeles Rams. And that's where we're going to lead off with first and foremost this past Thursday night as the defending champions, the Los Angeles Rams hosted the Buffalo Bills in a big game, big time feel, big time feel for this one. As the Bills came out blowing out the defending champion, Los Angeles Rams. They blew them out. The Bills do not remember. They put them getting beat up by Kansas City in the past, and they're focused in on winning the Super Bowl this year. Going up 7-0 early in the first quarter as Gabe Davis gets the pass from Josh Allen. It's 7-0 Buffalo. Then Buffalo's Tyler Bass. Kicks a 41-yard field goal, and the Bills are up 10 to nothing. Cooper Cup gets a quick pass from Matthew Stafford, and it's 10-7. And then right at the end of the first half, Matt Gay kicks a 57-yard field goal, tying the game at 10 apiece. And then the Bills just put the throat on, on the Rams as Isaiah McKenzie gets a 7-yard pass from Josh Allen. Bass kicks the extra point. It's 17-10, and then the shellacking began. Allen runs in in the fourth quarter with a four-yard run, makes it 24-10, and then Stefan digs a 53-yard pass as the turf monster got him, but he crossed the plane for the touchdown. Buffalo wins in L.A. 31-10. Josh Allen, 26 for 31 for 297 yards, three TDs, two interceptions. Matthew Stafford, 29 for 41 for 240 yards, one TD, three interceptions. Allen led the rushing carries at 10 carries for 56 yards, one TD. Henderson Jr., 13 carries for 47 yards. Cooper Cup, 13 receptions for 128 yards, one TD. Stephon Diggs, 8 catches, 122 yards, 1 TD in the game as the Bills beat up on the Rams 31-10. to So that gets you all set up and gives you the appetizer for what this weekend has in store. Of course, if you, like I said, didn't listen to our NFL prediction show, 
what are you doing? Go back and listen to it. But if you want a little bit more about what I said on the pro- on the podcast with Logan and Phil, and you you just want the synopsis of my just my picks for this upcoming season, this is how I see the see it happening in the National Football League this year. We'll start off with the AFC. I have Buffalo winning the East this year at 13-4, and getting the number one overall seed and winning the East division. I have New England in second at 9-8, and Miami in third at 8-9, and and the Jets at 5-12. and In the AFC South, I think it's Matt Ryan and the Indianapolis Colts. They're going to be a good team this year. They're going to win the division at 12-5. Tennessee will be in second. They'll finish 10-7. They'll get a wild card spot as the sixth wild card team. Jacksonville will finish in third at five and twelve. Houston at three and fourteen. In the West, it is a shootout for the West. I think three teams have a possibility of making the playoffs in this one. Two of which will get wild card spot, but Kansas City I think will win the division outright at twelve and five. Get the number two overall seed. I think uh, the Chargers come in second at eleven and six. They get the fifth. Uh, wild card spot. They get the fifth playoff spot, and then I have the Raiders at ten and seven, getting a playoff spot, the seventh and final spot in the playoffs this year. And then we get to the AFC North. Now this is a big topic. You heard it on the podcast before. If you haven't, go listen to it. Me and Logan got at it for almost fifteen minutes back and five minutes back. Excuse me, five minutes back and forth over this. Uh, in fourth, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers this year at six and eleven. I have the Cleveland Browns in third, a seven and ten mark this year, and it all depends on the whole Deshaun Watson situation. We don't know, you know, what this team's going to look like after the first eleven games of his suspension is done. Will he be? Will this team be still competitive in some aspects? Will it be? Will it be will it be doable? Is is my question. I don't think it is. Uh, if you look at the Browns' schedule going into this season, it, it, it for me it's just. I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you the wins. I'll I'll tell you the wins right now off the bat. You're you're gonna lose this week to the Panthers. You and that's just plain and simple. You're at home against the Jets. That's a win. Pittsburgh. That's a win. That's two. At Atlanta, that's a win. At home against the Chargers, that's a loss. In new at home against New England, that's a win. There's one, two, three, four wins right there. At Baltimore, that's a loss. Hosting the Bengals on Monday night, that's a loss. At at Miami, that's a win. At Buffalo, that's a loss. At home against Tampa, that's a loss. In Houston against the Texans, that's a win. At Cincinnati, that's a loss. Against the Ravens, that's a loss. New Orleans, it's going to be a close team this year. I think that's a loss. The Commanders is a win, and the Steelers is a win. So one, two, three, four, five, six. So I'll say seven to play it safe for the spike win. So seven and ten. I have seven and ten. In second, I have Baltimore at 10-7. and seven. I don't think they get into the playoffs. I don't think they get in. They're one of the three 7-10 teams that will not make the playoffs. And I'm just being plainly honest with you guys. The team that in the AFC North that's going to win it is the Cincinnati Bengals. I think the Bengals are for real with Joe Burrow. I think they're for real. I'll take 
Cincinnati to win the division. So, to recap, Buffalo is the one seed. Kansas City is the two seed. Indianapolis is the three seed. Cincinnati is the four seed. The fifth seed in the wild card is the Chargers. Sixth seed is Tennessee. Seventh seed in the last wild card spot is the Raiders of Las Vegas. So it sets up for the wild card. Kansas City over Vegas. Indianapolis over Tennessee. Cincinnati over the Chargers. The divisional round seeds Buffalo over Cincinnati. Kansas City over Indianapolis. And then in the AFC Championship game, I have Buffalo at home over Kansas City. And the AFC representative is the Buffalo Bills. Now in the NFC, in the east, I have the Philadelphia Eagles winning the division at 11-6. And And second, I have the Dallas Cowboys. I think Dallas is retooled this year. I think they finish in second in the division, get a wild card spot at 10-7. Washington in third at 8-9. And the G-Men at 5-12 and 12 in 4th spot. In the South, it's run by Tampa Bay. Tampa's going to get the number one overall seed overall. At a 13-4 record, they're the number one overall seed. In second is New Orleans at 9-8. and eight, Atlanta at 4-13. and 13, And Carolina at 4-13. They're tied for third in the South. In the West, I have San Francisco winning the division with Trey Lance. And that regime out there I think I think that's the right call 12 and 5 getting the number two overall seed I have the Rams in second at 11 and 6 getting the first of the wild card te- uh, wild card bids Arizona in third at nine and eight and Seattle will be the worst team in all of the foot of the National Football League at three and 14 and then we get to the north the AFC North excuse me NFC North I have the Bears in last at 3-14 and 14 this year. I don't see them winning that many games. I really don't. How bad Justin Fields and how bad that offensive line is, he's going to be on his butt more. I don't see it happening. Third, I have the Minnesota Vikings in third at 7-10. and 10. I think Minnesota is going to, after the good season this year, their schedule is going to be daunting for them. I have... Minnesota in third at seven and ten. I have the Lions in second at ten and seven. Yes, I will repeat myself. I will double down on it. I will say the Lions will win ten football games this year. And to go over their schedule. Because, you know, I feel like I have to go over their schedule. Because everybody's asking me, where Andy, why are you saying the Lions are gonna have ten wins? I think they win. Week one against the Eagles. They give the Eagles their first loss. I think they win that. They'll win against Washington. That's that's two wins right there. Minnesota at Minnesota, that's a loss. They host the Seahawks. That's a win. They ho- go up to, up to Foxborough to play the Patriots. That's going to be a loss right there. That's two losses right there. They go to Dallas. That's a loss. That's three losses right there. So they're three and three overall. They are at home against the Dolphins. That's a win. They host the Packers. That could possibly be a win. They go to Chicago. That's a win. Go to New York. That's a win. Host the Bills on Thanksgiving. That's a loss. Play the Jaguars. That's a win. They host the Vikings. That's a win. Go to the Jets. That's a win. Go to Carolina. That's a win. Host the Bears. That's a win. And then they go to Lambeau to end the season. And they, they'll probably lose that game. So, one, two, three, four, 
five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We'll say we'll say ten wins. We'll say ten wins. Ten and ten and seven sounds right. We'll do ten and seven. I think Green Bay wins the division at eleven and six. That's plain and simple. I think they get the number three overall bid. So if you're tracking it at home, Tampa number one overall seed in the NFC. The number two overall seed is San Francisco at twelve and five. Three seed is Green Bay at eleven and six. They're the number three seed. And Philadelphia eleven and six is the four seed. Five seed is the Rams at eleven and six. Six seed is Dallas at ten and seven. And the Lions as a seventh seed. As the last wild card spot at ten and seven as well in the NFC wild card race, I have Detroit over San Francisco, Green Bay over Dallas, and now you're going to say why are they picking against? You know you talk so highly about Trey Lance. Why aren't you picking against? Why aren't you picking with them? Well, listen to me. I think Detroit can win a football game. I think Campbell can get his rally his troops and get them going. I think. Detroit can win a playoff game and beat San Francisco. Green Bay over Dallas and Philadelphia over the loses to the Rams. In the divisional round, Tampa just going to destroy the Lions and the Rams will beat Dallas will beat Philadelphia. I mean, the Rams will beat the Rams will beat Green Bay. And then that sets up Tampa versus L.A., and I have Tampa beating the Rams. And then for the Super Bowl this year, I have the Bills versus the Buccaneers, both number one overall seeds. I have Buffalo winning 35-33 over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is my NFL prediction for you guys tonight. There's the NFL prediction for you guys. So now... Let's do it. I took Buffalo yesterday against the Rams. It's now time to go over my predictions for week one of the National Football League. It's time for week one's predictions right here on All Andy Alfred. We start off with, of course, the Bills. Defeating the Rams yesterday, 31-10 to overall. Getting Andy his, getting me my first win of the season. Of course, we now dive into Sunday Slate on September 11, 2022. It starts off at 1 p.m. with the New Orleans Saints battling against the Atlanta Falcons. New Orleans a 5.5 point favorite. I will take New Orleans. San Francisco travels across to the Windy City to battle the Chicago Bears. The 49ers, a seven-point favorite. I will take the 49ers. The Steelers travel just a little bit down the road to play Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals at 1 o'clock. The Bengals, a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I will take Cincinnati over the Pittsburgh Steelers. The New England Patriots, led by Bill Belichick and Mac Jones, will take on the Miami Dolphins. 
Miami a three and a half point favorite in the game. I will take New England in that one. Lamar Jackson takes on his former protege, Joe Flacco and the New York J-E-T-S. Sucks, sucks, sucks. In the Meadowlands, Baltimore a six and a half point favorite in this one. I will take Baltimore in this one. Jacksonville travels up to Washington to battle the new Commanders. The Commanders a two and a half point favorite in this one. I will take the Commanders at two and a half. Indianapolis travels down to Reliance Stadium to take on the the Atlanta, excuse me, the Houston Texans. Indianapolis a seven point favorite in this one. I will take the Colts. Then we get to the four o'clock slate before we get to our local teams. At 425, the Tennessee Titans host the G-Man. Tennessee, a five-and-a-half point favorite in this one. I will take Tennessee in this one. Green Bay heads over to the Twin Cities. Just take on the Minnesota Vikings. Green Bay, one-and-a-half point favorite in this game. I'm taking the Vikings in an upset at TFC Stadium. Kansas City goes to the desert to play Kyler Murray, the child. 425 kick. Kansas City, a six and a half point favorite. I'm taking the Chiefs. The Raiders of Las Vegas head to SoFi to take on Justin Herbert and the Chargers. 425 kick on CBS. I'm taking the Chargers. Three and a half point favorites. In that one. And that gets us to Sunday Night Football, folks. Tampa Tom. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Head down the Big D. To Jerry World. To take on Dak Prescott. And the Dallas Cowboys. Tampa, two and a half point favorite in this one. They're a favorite for me. I'm taking Tampa Bay to beat Dallas. And then Monday Night Football, Russell Wilson heads home to Seattle for week one. Denver travels to Seattle. Denver, six and a half point favorite. I'm taking Denver in that one. Which sets up the local teams. At 105 in Carolina, Baker Mayfield. And the Carolina Panthers take on Jacoby Brissett, Kareem Hunt, and the Cleveland Browns. This is an even line, ladies and gentlemen. It could go either way. Roar, my friends. Carolina over Cleveland. Cleveland starts 0-1. And, and then at 105. On Fox, it is Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles taking on Jared Goff, Dan Campbell, and the Detroit Lions. Philly, a five-point favorite. I'm taking the Lions. So to recap, 
Everybody's picks. The pick for this week for me. I have New Orleans, San Francisco, New England, Baltimore, Washington, Indianapolis, Carolina, Detroit, Cincinnati, Tennessee, Minnesota, Kansas City, the Chargers, Tampa, and Denver. Those are my picks for week one of the National Football League. Hi folks, this is Andy Elford, the host of All Andy Elford. I want to talk to you today about my good friends down at the Libby Glass Factory Outlet Store, 205 South Erie Street in the Warehouse District in downtown Toledo. And it is fall, folks. That means one thing, all your fall decor is in stock, whether it be the glass pumpkins, all your Halloween decor items, as well as your amber-colored vases for the tablescapes that you will be preparing for the Thanksgiving holiday as well as for all your fall dinner needs. By the way, it's football season, so football is going to be precedented with football parties. Whether you need football tumblers, beer glasses, dinner plates, you name it, the Libby Glass Factory Outlet Store has it for you. Visit them at 205 South Erie Street in the Warehouse District in downtown Toledo, two blocks away from Fifth Third Field, Four blocks away from the Huntington Center. They're open Monday through Friday, 9.30 in the morning till 5.30 in the evening. Saturday from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And Sunday from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. The Libby Glass Factory Outlet Store. Setting your table right for more than 100 years. My good friends down at the Libby Glass Factory Outlet Store. You can't, you can't miss this place. This is an absolutely awesome place. To go see and you know it's 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 a unique shop it really is a unique shop as you're listening to all andy Elford tonight right here on the anchor network whether it be on itunes spotify google podcasts pocket cast bleakers stitcher however you're listening wherever and whenever you're listening thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight as you are as we're doing this falcon friday edition of all andy Elford. and of course let's talk a little College football for you guys tonight right here on All Andy Alford. We're going to start first and foremost with what happened last week. Of course, we haven't been on the air since last week, of course. And we're going to start first and foremost with the team down in Wood County as they travel across the country to the Rose Bowl, the first MAC school to play in a, in the Rose Bowl. And in a low attendance crowd at this game on on Saturday afternoon, Bowling Green jumped out to an early lead with a blocked punt by Charles Rosen. 11-yard return. It was 7-0 BG, not even a minute and a half into the game. Unbelievable. But then UCLA then ties the game up as Dorian Thompson gets a 68-yard run, and he went to the house for for a quick six. An extra point goes up by Nicole Marr for a kick, and it's 7-7. BG's Mason Lawler kicks a 24-yard field goal in the next possession for Bowling Green. And he kicks the field goal and it's 10-7 after 15 minutes of play. Then Christian Sims catches the pass from Matt McDonald, making it a 17-7 Bowling Green lead. And I felt like Bowling Green was going to make the run there. But then UCLA turned on the Jets, putting 17 points in the quarter up with Barrett Marr getting a 24-yard field goal. Casimir and Allen, a 20-yard pass from Dorian Thompson-Robinson from DTR, is what they're calling him, 17-17. And then Keegan Jones from DTR from 
makes it 24-17 at halftime. So the Falcons, I felt like at that point, were still in striking distance. But they felt like after that, it looked like a different team in the second half of the game as Zach Charbonnet, four-yard run, gives UCLA a 31-17 lead. They turned on the Jets after that. DTR's run for eight yards in the fourth quarter made it 38-17. And Josh Norwood's 50-yard pass catch from Ethan Gravers. Garbers, it's 45-17 was the final on a hot, scorching day at the Rose Bowl. Matt McDonald, 17 for 34 in the game, 125 yards, one TD in the game. DTR had 30, was 32 for 43 for 298 yards, two TDs, one interception. Johnson, 10 carries for 45 yards. Uh, Charlemagne, 21 carries, 111 yards, one TD in the game. Chris Sims, four catches, 33 yards, one TD in the game. McDonald, 17 for 34, 125. QBR rating of a 22.3. Like I said, Johnson, 10 carries, 45 yards. Average is about four and a half yards a carry. Uh, other receiver cores, by the way. Lewis, three catches, 33 yards. Uh, Finn Jr., one catch, 16 yards. Mosley, one catch, 7 yards. For UCLA, DTR, 32 for 43, 298, two TDs, one interception, a QBR rating of 76.6. Charbonnet averaging about 5.3 yards a carry for 21 carries for 111 yards. In the game, the overall team stats looked like this. BG had nine first downs to UCLA's 30. BG, two for 16 in third down. Confidency. The Bruins, 10 for 19. Both teams, two for three on fourth down. Bowling Green had 162 total yards of offense, 125 through the air, 37 yards on the ground. UCLA had 626 yards of total offense. 357 through the air, 269 on the ground. Nine penalties for 60 yards for UCLA. Five penalties, 45 yards for Bowling Green. One turnover for BG, two turnovers for UCLA. UCLA led in time of possession, 34 minutes and 48 seconds. Bowling Green, 25 minutes and 12 seconds. BG falls to 0-1. UCLA 1-0 as they beat up on our Falcons, 45-17. And we all knew that Bowling Green was probably going to Lose that football game. I I I I wasn't expecting us to. I expected us to compete, and you know, with us being that close at halftime, I was very very surprised, very very happy of how how much this team's built. But the second half really reared his really head. It was bad playing, bad concepts, and it was just it it just fell apart. And you'll hear from Coach Leffler here in just a second as he previews the Eastern Kentucky game here in just a second for us. Uh. It, it's just what can you what do you expect it was one if it was one thing it's another if it's the right thing on one side it's another thing on another side so i mean i mean what, what can you do what can you do but just move on from this game take what you can for the positives and just move on that's just plain and simple so we'll see how it all shakes out so let's take a look also at other games around the college football spectrum of course the big one at the Horseshoe as Notre Dame, fifth ranked in the country, traveled to the capital city of Columbus, Ohio, to take on the number two ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. And, you know, it was a pretty interesting game. I will say this. 
I was very, very surprised. Sat with the, sat with my father and watched most the majority of the game. And, you know, Ohio Notre Dame kept with Ohio State for the majority of the game. And ha- being up at halftime, 10-7, to 7, says a lot. Says a lot about this team. Notre Dame's for real in some aspects. It did start off with Galupe's 33-yard field goal, 3-0 Notre Dame. After the explosion play, the explosion play of 55 yards to start the game. But Njoku and Jumble, 331 yard pass from CJ Stroud. It was 7 3 Ohio State. But then Arik Amas from one yard in, and it was 10 7. Galoop getting his field goal. It's 10 7. Notre Dame at the half. And then Ohio State then kicked it on. Xavier Johnson, a 25 yard pass from CJ Stroud. 14 10 Buckeyes. And then Mayel Williams with a two yard run. It's 21 10 Ohio State. That was the final at the horseshoe as number two takes down number five, 21 to 10. For Notre Dame, Buckner, 18, 10 for 18 for 177 yards. No TDs, no interceptions. QBR, 54.7. As Butchner, yeah, Buckner, Butchner. Uh, Terry, six carries, 28 yards. No TDs. Into the end. Nine carries, 21 yards, one TD for him. Styles, one catch, 54 yards. Lazy Lindsay, one catch, 32 yards for Notre Dame. For Ohio State, C.J. Stroud, 24 for 34, 233. QBR rating of an 89.5, two TDs in the game. Uh, Henderson, 15 carries, 91 yards. Uh, William, the league Williams, four ki- 14 carries, 84 yards, one TD in the game for him. Uh, don't play, nine catches, 90 yards, one TD. Myron Harris Jr., five catches, 56 yards. Uh, Xavier Johnson, two catches, 34 yards, one TD in the game. The box score looks, the team stats look like this. Ohio State had 22 first downs to Notre Dame's 12. Ohio State, 7 for 13 on third down. The Irish were 3 for 13 on third down. The Irish had 253 total yards of offense, 177 through the year, 76 on the ground. Ohio State had 395 total yards of offense, 223 through the air, 172 on the ground, seven penalties for 75 yards for the Ohio State Buckeyes, five penalties, 61 yards for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. The Buckeyes led in possession 32 minutes and 59 seconds to the Irish 27 minutes and one second overall. So Ohio State cruises to 1-0. Notre Dame goes to 0-1 with a 21-10 loss to the Ohio State University. So then you have, of course, earlier today, Michigan putting a shellacking on Colorado State, 51 to nothing. It was pretty much over by halftime. I'm not going to really dive into that one. That was a really cupcake game, by the way. Uh, for Michigan, it was McNamara, 9 for 18 for 136 yards, 1 TD. Uh, Crum, 13 carries, 76 yards, 1 TD. Edwards, 12 carries, 64 yards, 1 TD. J.J. McCarthy, 3 carries, 50 yards, 1 TD the game for that one. And then, of course, the other one on the Thursday night game, it was Toledo shellacking Long Island 37 to nothing. Kalucky field goal, it was 6 nothing halfway through the second quarter. And then Toledo turned on the Jets. Turner from Finn, 69 yards, 13 nothing. Finn with a run, 7 yards, 20 to nothing at halftime. Kalucky, 30 yard field goal. In the fourth quarter, no scoring in the third quarter, by the way. 
Newton 40-yard pass from Finn, 30-0. And Jordan Lau, 29-yard run, 37-0 was the final at the Glass Bowl. So there is that for you guys. Uh, so Bowling Green has a big game. The hall opener is tomorrow at the Doy. If you're going, please share photos right here on our Facebook page and our Twitter account, which is at AllAndyAlfred. Share it for opening night for the the home opener for Bowling Green. And remember to wear white as we want to white out the Doy tomorrow night. And with that in mind, let's hear from our head coach, Scott Leffler, as he'll recap the UCL game, UCLA game as well as what he took out of the UCLA game as well as giving you a preview on what Eastern Kentucky has to offer for us right here on this edition of All Andy Elford. As we now hear from coach Scott Leffler in his weekly press conference, he met with the media on Labor Day on Monday. We have the audio for you right here on the Anchor Network. Good afternoon. Um, after watching the tape, uh, felt that uh, we did some really good things on special teams. I thought uh, Payshon Wimberly uh, was exceptional, and uh, it's not a surprise. He uh, is unbelievable in practice. Uh, the block punt, uh, I thought, was a, a great momentum swing and uh, gave us an opportunity early. Uh, overall, I thought our special teams were, were good. Uh, in the second half, we were disappointed um, with our punt team, something that we need to clean up, and uh, which we will. Uh, defensively, I f- we felt the uh, first uh, two quarters uh, we played very well. The uh, quarterback was exceptional. We missed too many tackles, and uh, when you let a guy like that uh, loose, uh, he's going to make you pay. So. We missed some tackles that we regret, but uh, I thought the overall effort by the defense was exceptional. Uh, Joe Sipp, for a true freshman, went in there and played lights out, had 10-plus tackles. I thought J.B. Brown was uh, his first time really being in there for a significant amount of time, played exceptional. And um, uh, there were some guys in the uh, second half which we're going to need. Pat Day uh, played really well at safety along with... uh, Special teams, I thought he was outstanding. Then uh, Davion Daniels got some time and uh, really did a good job tackling. So uh, long and short with the defense, uh, we felt we played well in the uh, first two quarters. We wore down because of so many plays. And then uh, offensively, um, it was disappointing. It was uh, a little bit of last year, to be quite honest with you. And uh, there was only been one time during training camp that I felt that way. And uh, it uh, reshowed its head um, again on Saturday. There was uh, um, not one pos- position group to blame. Uh, the quarterback would have a wide open guy. We would protect it perfectly, and we missed the throw. Then we'd come back, and uh, Matt would have a great read, and the left tackle misses a block. Um, and it went on and on and on like that uh, offensively. And. Uh, I was majorly disappointed, just like I said, uh, just because we play a good defense every day. And uh, there's been only one time during training camp that uh, that I felt that way. And again, I felt that way on Saturday. So long and short of it, we got to go out and do it on game day. We need to uh, uh, do what we did during training camp and uh, go out and make plays. So I'm expecting our offense to play really well this Saturday. And if not, I'm going to be majorly disappointed. 
Well, it's it's now it's all execution. There wasn't there was zero uh, lack of effort, uh, which has been a problem for us, and uh, that's over. Um, there's no such thing. Uh, if if you graded our tape and watched the film in terms of effort, it was exceptional. It was exactly like we wanted, and uh, offensively, we just didn't execute the way that we should. We had an opportunity. Uh, twice early in the game to really make this thing exciting. We missed a pass to Levi down the, down the rail on their sideline, and then uh, we stumbled in the red zone. And uh, um, those, those things have got to end. And uh, just like I said, I've been very encouraged uh, from uh, playing our defense on a regular basis during training camp, and it hasn't uh, reared its head, and it, it came back. It came back, and... Uh, um, you can't play offensive football that way. I know you mentioned during training camp that you know, the offensive side was there, but what, what was the drop-off from the defense performing so well to the offense, like lack of communication, not being on the same page? What do you think? No, uh, it, uh, it went back to, you know, if one guy on offense doesn't do their job on a particular play, you're not going to have great success unless you have an athlete quarterback that can run around and make you right. And I'll... Uh, Example being, we had a perfect blitz called, and uh, Brockhorn came scot-free off the edge. It's designed as well as you can design it, and the guy made five five guys miss and scored, something that shouldn't happen. And uh, um, on offense, uh, that's what would happen: is we would have you know one one mental mistake uh, at any given time at any position, and. Um, when we do that, we don't have a chance to be successful. So um, I challenge them, to say the least, to uh, get back to what we've been doing in training camp and to uh, take our play to the uh, game field. Is there anything that you've addressed with your players or even the coaches about that execution? Obviously, you mentioned, obviously, if you felt like this team kind of played a little bit like they did last year, is there anything this week that you plan to maybe change, or is there anything, I mean, what, what can you do? I know, obviously, you don't know the reason of why they kind of came out like that, but is there anything that you've addressed with the team in terms of trying to execute a little bit better? Well, I think they prepared well. Um, I do, and that's been a problem of the past. Um, I think they were focused. I just think uh, um, the players truly understanding that everyone has to do their job in order for us to move the ball successfully. And... Uh, uh, we just got to get it to translate to the game field. Um, like I said, there was one time in training camp that I felt um, it was uh, our ticket season ticket holder deal. That was the one that I felt that uh, we just fell back into the same old, same old. And uh, it hasn't reared its head. And unfortunately, it reared its head on Saturday. And uh, hopefully uh, we can learn from that and uh, take it to the next step and uh, – play much better. All we got to do is do our job. UCLA didn't stop us. We stopped ourselves, and that's what's disappointing. In terms of the running back group, obviously a lot of guys got carries in week one. Is it, you guys, are you wanting kind of to go by committee? Is there a guy that you're looking to step up and maybe play a bigger starting role? Kind of what are you looking at from the running back position? Well, we had a philosophy going into the season of what we were going to do, and that changed pretty quickly, dramatically with uh, losing Terion. And uh, so what, right now we're... Uh, We've got a bunch of good backs right now that do different things well, and uh, all of them are going to play. How would you assess Matt's play? Uh, at times, uh, good. 
at times poor. And uh, the thing that I was disappointed with uh, the overall pass game is, uh, you know, we said walking into the game that we had to protect the passer, and uh, we didn't. We didn't do it well at all, but we didn't do it well at, at any position. And what I mean by that, it just wasn't the offensive line, just wasn't the running backs, just wasn't the tight ends. Uh, there were some depth problems with our with our wide receivers that they were at the wrong depth. Um, our tight ends, uh, one time were at the complete wrong depth and the spacing and timing of the play was ridiculous. And um, the first third down and five, we had a wide receiver run a shallow cross behind our own line of scrimmage and he's supposed to be five yards down the field, which is an easy catch and run for a first down. So we did some things that were really, really out of the norm, com incomparable to what we've been doing in training camp. And it's got it's to change, plain and simple. We, If we can get going offensively, we got a good enough defense and we got good enough special teams. And just like I said, I've seen it in practice. Um, they have done it before. Now we just got to take it to the game field. You referenced the efforts, at least early on in that game, and that you guys came out you know, firing on all cylinders mm -hmm. for the most part. Is that something that you can bottle up and show them and that kind of can carry over into the next week? Well, that's what we want to play like every week. It doesn't matter. That's our standard. And uh, just like I said, uh, I would come in here and be disgusted with the effort, and I'm not. I thought the effort on all three phases uh, was excellent. I just think uh, there was things, uh, missed tackles on defense that we want to clean up and um, eliminating the uh, self-inflicted wounds uh, on offense. When we do that, we're going to be just fine. Coach, two for 16 on third down. What needs to change in that? Just like I said, it was completely uh, execution. There wasn't anything to sit here and say that UCLA stopped us. And it was, we did a great job as coaches uh, researching of what they were going to do, considering the guy never called a defense since 2009. There was nothing shocking that we didn't practice. It was just like I said, if it wasn't the, uh, the offensive line, it was the tight end group. If it wasn't the tight end group, it was the wide receiver group. If it wasn't the wide receiver group, it was the quarterback. And um, you just all, all 11 have got to be firing on the same, on the same page. So, what do you attribute those the type of mistakes to, Coach? You think it was uh, nerves? I mean, is that something you can? I don't know. I I don't. Um, normally during training camp, you're going to have a day like that, and we did. And it was the season ticket holder day. I was uh, very disappointed on how we played in comparison to all all training camp. And uh, just like I said, it reared its head. And. Uh, I don't know what it's from. You know, maybe, maybe Jakari not being in there uh, could have been a, a big reason up front. You know, we put Cade in a tough situation, and I thought Cade battled his tail off. And considering the situation that we was in, we were almost, um, we almost, we thought for sure the NCAA would cleared him on Thursday or Friday, and they didn't. And uh, just like I said at the end of the game, uh, I'll be shocked if he's not. I mean, this waiver, this, the waiver system was built completely for a Jakari situation, not to get in the ins and outs of it. But when you got a 3.1 student that has a baby, that has a family, that does all the right things, was second in voting, and there was a error that we couldn't identify because of the, how fast the transfer uh, system occurred and the other school didn't, 
and three and a half weeks into him being here, all of a sudden we find out that a class didn't count that he passed. So um, if there's if he's a, if there's a poster child for why the uh, um, NCAA created the waiver system, this is the poster child. What's the final resolution to get heard? Is that something that still could be resolved for? I'm hoping Tuesday. I'm hoping Tuesday that we can have our center back because that'll be a huge help. You said to you that oftentimes the coach and the quarterback take way too much credit when things are going well and way too much blame when things are going well. So much talent and depth in that quarterback room now that we haven't had for years. Some of the chatter I'm sure you've heard online and from fans is maybe need to give somebody else an opportunity to take some snaps. Any thought about that? Well, the um, just like I said, if you watch the tape, you know the the missed throw on the on the rail route was poor, um, but the, again, there was a ton out of his out of his control. I mean, a ton, and uh, that's why I'm agitated right now because all we had to do was do our job, and uh, we could have had a chance to have a lot of success, and uh, we didn't do it. Plain and simple. You know what? I haven't. I didn't even know that, to be quite honest with you. It's nothing that I've, I've been totally focused on uh, our guys and getting our guys ready to play Eastern Kentucky. You know, I want to. I want to see our offense go out and play well. Speaking of Eastern Kentucky, what are your initial thoughts on, on that matchup? You know what? I think they've done an excellent job uh, in the uh, transfer portal. Uh, an excellent job. I think uh, defensively they're very athletic. I think up front they're big and strong. I don't know how much depth they have, but I do know that the guys that they trot on the field that are starters are very good. Um, I think uh, the skill is great. The linebackers can run. The outside backer, the Sam, is a really good football player that I think can start at a lot of teams on, in our conference. Um, I think the quarterback is uh, on offense is uh, extremely efficient. Uh, they throw the ball well, um, and uh, when you got a good quarterback and good defense, you know they're gonna they're gonna have a, a really good season, and uh, we're gonna have to come out and play our, our best. And there's no such thing anymore in college football as gimmies anymore. You never know. Uh, who you're going to walk into because of the transfer portal. And so um, we're going to have to bring our A game. But we're going to have to bring our A game up. We're going to have to bring our A game every game. I mean, that's just college football now. And you guys obviously are returning home for the first time this year. I'm sure that kind of helps build back up that level of excitement coming off the loss, right? Yeah, and uh, I don't think there'll be any problem about being excited to play. And I don't think there'll be any problem about effort. We just... Uh, the fine details um, need to be demanded and executed on every single play. And again, you're not going to be perfect. There's one thing about going out and getting your tail kicked in on a play. That's fine. But whenever you're stepping wrong and, and going the wrong way and not getting your depths on routes, that's, that's frustrating. The residuals from the heat and all the cramping, everything that game. Yeah, it was tough. It was a tough deal. Um, um, it was a different hot. Um, you know, it was dry heat, but it was it was it was definitely taking its toll on our guys for sure. Obviously, we had cramping issues. Um, we thought we hydrated properly. We're going to need to reevaluate that. Um, 
because to be quite honest with you, when I played in the swamp, when we were coaching at Florida, it was way hotter than that because the humidity was so god-awful. So, you know, we need to have a better plan when we get on to Mississippi State. Is it going to keep anybody out of the game this week? What happened last, last week? I don't think so. Coach, can you talk a little bit more about what it was like to see Pishon block that punt? It was awesome. It was awesome. He did a great job, and he's been playing like that uh, all camp long. It wasn't shocking what, whatsoever. So you just heard from head coach Scott Leffler at his weekly press conference, of course, as Bowling Green gets ready for Eastern Kentucky tomorrow. 4.05 kickoff. That game is on ESPN3. If you have the app as well, you can listen to our big guy, of course, Todd Walker with the call on that one on 99.1 FM, as well as on the Falcon Radio Sports Network. Of course, recapping some of the other games from last week, of course, week one of college football. Like I said, I mentioned I was 29-8 and eight last week in the college football spectrum. I uh, wanted to go over that the, uh, the picks from last week, of course. Akron fell to St. Francis of Pennsylvania, thirty to twenty-three in overtime. I had, I had Akron and I had St. Francis in that one. I'm just gonna go over the losses. Of course, I had Notre Dame uh, in the win for the win, and they lost against Ohio State, twenty-one to ten. I also had uh, Boston College trying to defeat uh, Rutgers. Rutgers beats them twenty-two twenty-one, so that was a close loss. I had Illinois beating Indiana. Indiana with a twenty-three to twenty win over over the uh, over the Fighting Illini in that one. Uh, and then into the top twenty-five, it looked like this. Of course, I had Oklahoma State winning. I had West Virginia beating Pitt. Pitt beats West Virginia thirty-eight thirty-one. I had uh, I had Oregon beating Georgia. Georgia putting a shellacking. On the Ducks, forty-nine to three. I also had Cincinnati beating Arkansas. Arkansas with a thirty-one twenty-four win there. I had UTSA beating Houston, twenty-fourth ranked Houston. That went to triple overtime in that game, and Houston wins thirty-seven thirty-five. That one. I also had my upset special, which was Florida beating uh, Utah, and I was right on that. Florida beats Utah, twenty-nine twenty-six. In that one. So let's take a look at the rankings going into week two. By the way, Alabama, the Crimson Tide at the top spot at number one. Georgia now moves up one spot to number two. Ohio State, three. Michigan, four. Clemson, five. Texas A&M, six. Oklahoma, seven. Notre Dame falls to eight. Baylor's nine. UC, USC is 10. Uh, Oklahoma State, 11. Florida, 12. Utah, three. Michigan State, 14. Uh, Miami, Florida is at 15. Arkansas, 16. Pitt, 17. North Carolina State 18, Wisconsin 19, Kentucky 20, BYU 21, uh, Ole Miss 22, Wake Forest 23rd, Tennessee 24th, and Houston 25th. That is what the top 25 looks like for this upcoming week. And now it is time for Week 2's predictions right here on All Andy Alford. So we'll get right into it, of course. We'll start first and foremost with the big matchup, the big game of the day, of course, tomorrow will be at high noon on Fox as the number one ranked Alabama Crimson Tide. Roll Tide, Travels down to Texas with the horns of the Texas Longhorns. Alabama, 20-point favorite in this one. 
Look for the upset in this one. I'm taking Texas to beat Alabama, giving Alabama their first loss of the season. Uh, Miami, Florida hosts Southern Miss. Noon kickoff on ACC Network. Miami, 26.5-point favorite. I'll take Miami in that one. I have Arkansas taking on South Carolina on ESPN. Arkansas, 9-point favorite. I will take Arkansas on that one. 23rd-ranked Wake Forest takes on Vanderbilt. Third, uh, Wake Forest, 13-point favorite. I'm taking Vandy in that one. Uh, North Carolina State taking on Char- Charleston Southern. Uh, 12-30 kick, NC State in that one. Uh, Utah, battles Southern Utah, 1-30 kick on Pac-12 Network. I'll take Utah on that one to rebound back for them. Uh, tomorrow, 2-30 kick on NBC. Notre Dame, first game at Notre Dame Stadium. There are 20... And a half point favorite versus Marshall, taking the Irish in that one. Uh, Furnham goes into fifth ranked Clemson, 1 o'clock, uh, 3.30 kick on ACC Network. I'll take the Clemson Tigers on that one. Texas A&M hosts Appalachia State, 3.30 kick on ESPN2. I will take Texas A&M in that one. Uh, big one here, 24th ranked Tennessee goes into Pittsburgh to battle the Pitt Panthers, 3.30 kick on ABC. Pitt a six. Uh, Tennessee, a six-point favorite. I'm taking Pittsburgh in that one. Tomorrow, Wisconsin will, ho- uh, excuse me, keep going here, keep going here. Stanford, Stanford versus number two-ranked Georgia. Four o'clock kick on the SEC network. I'll take Georgia in that one. Uh, Texas Tech hosts 25th-ranked Houston. Texas Tech, a four-point favorite game at four o'clock on FS1. I'm taking Texas Tech in that one. Kent State. Will travel down, excuse me, uh, 20th ranked Kentucky travels down to Florida. Uh, 7 o'clock kick on ESPN. I am going to take Florida in that game. Central Arkansas battles 22nd ranked Ole Miss. 7 o'clock kick on the SEC Plus Network on ESPN Plus. I'll take Ole Miss. USC, this is the ABC game tomorrow night, the primetime game. 10th-ranked USC travels to Stanford to battle the Cardinals. USC an 8.5-point favorite. I'll take USC. Arizona State battles 11th-ranked Oklahoma State. I will take Oklahoma State in that one. And then you have 9th-ranked Baylor traveling out to Provo to take on the BYU Cougars. BYU 2.5-point favorite in that one. I will take BYU in that game. Then we get to the Big Ten slate tomorrow. It looks like this. Uh, Minnesota hosts Western Illinois. Noon kickoff for that one. I'll take Minnesota. Northwestern hosts Duke. I think this is going to be a very close game, but I will say Northwestern gets the big win over that one. Ohio, the Bobcats of Ohio, will travel to Penn State. ABC kickoff at noon. I will take Penn State in that one. 19th-ranked Wisconsin takes on Old Crimson themselves, the Washington State Cougars. 3.30 kick on Fox. I will take Wisconsin and that one is Wisconsin, a 17-point favorite. Maryland, 1-0, takes on Charlotte, who's 0-2. Maryland, a 26.5-point favorite. I will take Maryland in that one. Like I said, Akron travels to 14th-ranked Michigan State. 4 o'clock kick on BTN. Michigan State, a 34.5-point favorite against Akron. I will take Michigan State in that one. This is the big one in here. Iowa State, 1-0, will battle Iowa. Both teams, 1-0. Iowa, a 3.5-point favorite. I'm going to take Iowa State. To beat Iowa in that one. Virginia travels to Champaign to battle the fighting Illini. Illini, a four-point favorite. Four o'clock kick on ESPNU. I will take the Illini in that one. Purdue 
will take on the Indiana Indiana State. Indiana State 1-0, Purdue 0-1. I will take the Boilermakers to bounce back in that one. Wagner travels to Rutgers to battle the, the Scarlet Knights. I will take the Rutgers Scarlet Knights over Wagner. Georgia Southern heads to Nebraska to battle the Cornhuskers at 730 on FS1. I'll take Nebraska in that one. And then Idaho battles Indiana tomorrow, 8 o'clock kick on BTN. I will take Indiana in that one, which sets up the two local teams. As fourth-ranked Michigan will host Hawaii tomorrow night on Big Ten Network, 8 o'clock kick. Michigan a 52-point favorite in that one. I'm definitely taking Michigan in that one. And then Arkansas State tomorrow on BTN will travel to the Horseshoe to battle the third-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. The Buckeyes a 44.5-point favorite in this one. I'm taking Ohio State. So now let's take a look at the Mid-American Conference for you guys. Southern Alabama travels to Central Michigan. Central Michigan a five-point favorite in that one. I'm going to take South Alabama in that game. They're really good. They were good a couple, last season against Bowling Green. I will take Southern Alabama. Western Michigan travels to Ball State. Two o'clock kick on ESPN+. Plus. Western Michigan, six and a half point favorite. I will take Western Michigan. Holy Cross travels to Buffalo. I'm going to take Buffalo in that one. Robert Morris travels to Miami of Ohio. Both teams over and one. I'm taking Miami of Ohio. Kent State travels to seventh ranked Oklahoma tomorrow. 7 o'clock kick on ESPN+. Plus. Oklahoma, a 33-point favorite. I will take Oklahoma in that one. Tulsa welcomes in Northern Illinois. Tulsa, 6.5-point favorite. 7 o'clock kick for that one. I'm going to take NIU in that game. I'm taking NIU in that game. Eastern Michigan battles Louisiana Lafayette. 7 o'clock kick on the NFL Network. I'm going to take Louisiana Lafayette in that one, which sets up the local teams. Toledo, 7 o'clock kick on ESPN+. Plus. We're welcoming UMass. Toledo, a 28.5-point favorite. I'm taking Toledo in that game. And then it sets up tomorrow, 4 o'clock kick as Eastern Kentucky University comes to Bowling Green, Ohio to battle our Falcons in the whiteout. Eastern Kentucky 0-1, Bowling Green 0-1. Looking at it, uh, McKinley last year, Last game, 35 for 51 for 351 yards. Three TDs, one interception. He's also a leader in rushing. So he's a dual threat. But I'm taking Bowling Green for the home opener. Have to take Bowling Green for the home opener. So BG. So to recap, the upset specials are as follows. I have Pitt over Tennessee. Texas over Alabama. I have NIU over... Tulsa. Locally, I have Michigan and Ohio State and Toledo and Bowling Green. And Michigan State as well, too, winning their games. So take it as you will. Call your bookies. And those are Week 2's predictions of college football right here on All Andy Alford on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. And now let's dive into talk a little baseball, of course. Let's talk, recap what's happening on the Diamond with the Tigers as well as what's happening with the Guardians. So now let's take a look at the Diamond right now. Let's talk a little baseball, of course. Let's talk about the Detroit Tigers. The Tigers getting ready for their series tonight as they take on the Kansas City Royals. A big series for them. 
Uh, but they were just out in L.A. for a quick three-game series and lose two of three to the Angels with a big win on Wednesday, 5-4. to four. They will now take on the Kansas City Royals for a quick three-game series there. Uh, Manning tomorrow on the bump, 1-2 and two with a 3.86 ERA. He'll take on Hensley, who's 3-7 and seven with a 4.98, 4-10 first pitch for that one. Concluding game on Sunday will be Tyler Alexander, 3-9 and nine with a 5.23 ERA. He'll take on Singer, who's 7-4 with a 3.38 ERA. On the bump tonight, of course, for the Tigers, it will be it will be Wentz on the bump, and for the Royals tonight, it will be Classe, Cuse, uh, Qs on the bump for the Tigers tonight. As we're doing the podcast, the Tigers are right up now, six to nothing, on the Royals. The Guardians have a huge series. This is a big series for them. They just took on Kansas City and took two or three from the Royals. They now will go into Minnesota for a big three-game series. Could basically could determine the ser- the division. It'll be Quintel on the bump for the Guardians tonight. He'll take on Bundy in that affair that's just now getting underway. Tomorrow, 7-15 first pitch will be Tristan McKenzie, who's 11-9 with a 3.18 ERA. He'll take on Drew Archer, who's 2-7 with a 4.47 ERA. 7-15 first pitch that game on Fox. The concluding game on Sunday will be Bieber on the bump, 9-8 with a 2.96 ERA. Minnesota has not yet named a starter for that series finale. Then they'll play three against the Angels, and then a makeup game against the White Sox, and then four games against excuse me, five games against the Minnesota Twins, 16th, two games on the 17th, and then the 18th and 19th as well before they play three at the White Sox, three in Texas, three against the Rays, and then one, two, three, four, five, six games against the Kansas City Royals. So there's that for you. The Cincinnati Reds coming off of a big big win, series win over the Cubs are now in Milwaukee tonight. For a three-game series, and then they'll take on the Pirates for four straight. They they have on the bump tonight, of course, uh, on the mound tonight for the red for the for the Reds tonight. Well, actually, I don't have it set up here. My apologies. Uh, yeah, I don't have it set up here. My apologies. So they're playing as we speak right now. The Score right now is 5-2 Reds, top of the fifth inning. As we're doing the podcast right now, it'll be uh, Chris Alexan- uh, Anderson 0-2 with a 12.60 ERA tomorrow at 7-15. For the, for the Brewers, it'll be Hauser, who's 5-9 with a 4.83 ERA. For Milwaukee on Sunday, it'll be Dunn. It'll be Woodruff. He's 9-4 with a 3.41 ERA. He'll take on Dunn, who's 1-2 with a 4.82 ERA. Looking at the standings going into this weekend's play, it's pretty much setting up for an interesting showdown for the Central. The Guardians are 70-65, and 65, holding the top spot. Minnesota only a game and a half out. At 69 and 67, the White Sox are right there at 70 and 68, also a game and a half out. Kansas City 56 and 82, 15 and a half games out. Detroit in last at 52 and 65, 19 games out. In the East, it's run by the Yankees. They're 83 and 55. The West is run by the Astros at 88 and 49 overall. In the National League, the 
Cardinals hold the top spot at 81 and 57 in the Central Division. The Reds in second to last at 55 and 80, 24 and a half games out of first place. So the postseason looks like this. If it started today, it will look like this. The National League, the top team is the Dodgers at 94 and 42, the Mets at 87 and 51, and the Cardinals at 81 and 57. So the Cardinals would play. The Phillies at 75 and 62. The Padres and the Braves would battle each other out to see who would play between the Mets and the Dodgers. So there's that. And then the American League, Houston holding the top spot at 80-49. The Yankees are 83 and 55. And then the Guardians are 70 and 65. The wild card, the Rays at 77 and 58. The Mariners are 77 and 60, and the Blue Jays are 76 and 60 as well. So there is that for you guys right there. Uh, matchups for this weekend to look out for, other than the Tigers and Royals, Reds and Brewers, and Guardians and Twins. You have the Cardinals are in Pittsburgh. The Mets are in Miami to battle the Marlins. Philadelphia is hosting Washington. The Rays are in New York to battle the Yankees. Astros are hosting the Angels. Um, let's see other big games. Dodgers and Padres. Big weekend series there. So lots to look forward to this weekend in the world of baseball as well. As you are listening to all in the offer tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. And now let's talk a little golf and the possibility of what we're hearing from Sylvania, Ohio. So we're hearing these rumors that are coming out of Sylvania, Ohio. And uh, this was a report that came out in the Blade on Thursday's edition of the Blade that the Dana Dana is pulling out their sponsorship of for the golf tournament for the LPGA. And the possibility that there will not be an LPGA event as of next season. I have two things front. First and foremost, before we begin, I want to thank you, the listener, for listening to our coverage last week of the Dana Open presented by Marathon. I want to thank you for the great listenership and thank you for the great ratings for that from all across the world from we got we got good reviews from Japan, Korea, Mexico, United States, Canada. We had great ratings this past week for that. And I am I'm very very happy and I thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. I really do appreciate it. Really do appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for tuning in to the shows last week for the LPGA event. Now, so what we were, what I was about to say. It hurt, I think, in twofold because of this this tournament. One, there was not that much, you know, that Dana put out for this tournament. Usually, you see Marathon and all them put out for this tournament. Like they put out like the the hitting tent, uh, a lot of publicity, a lot of like a lot of stuff that you could do. Besides watch the golfers. Dana did not do that for this tournament. It was basically a bare minimum. And to me, 
This is a fan-driven event. This is a fan-driven event. And I want it to be a fan-driven event. And so I would like this to happen. I would like for this, the three major glass companies in the city of Toledo. Owens Corning, OI, and Libby. To join together to be, make this the Glass City Tournament. To make it about that. Either have Owens Corning be the lead sponsor. Present uh, the 2023 Owens Corning Classic. Presented by OI and Libby Glass. I like for that to happen this year. Because if Dana ha- is pulling out, which they are, of this tournament. They're not going to take the tournament next year. Then make these three come together and make take this tournament. Because this tur- we need this tournament. This is a focal point. This has been a part of the community for the last 30 some odd years. We need this tournament to continue in the city of Toledo. And then the Northwest Ohio sports spectrum. And we need to bring this tournament back to June and July. Because of the volunteers that we need for this event. We do. We need the volunteers for this event. I'll give you a story. On Friday, I was at the course with my wife. We walked up to AT&T to watch Brooke Henderson and her group finish out. Brooke was going to make the cut. Gentleman in a wheelchair who's the head of the volunteer services went up to these two girls who had single day tickets and asked them if asked and he asked them, Would you like to volunteer and be a sign carrier? Because they're short people for the tournament. They agreed and they got a free shirt and free weekly grounds tickets because of it. They didn't even look at me and my wife and say, hey, do you guys want to do it? No, they didn't. So, I, I, I think of it as two things. And this is a, this is a recap of the, of the tournament as well as the Andy Rams. I don't like the fact that you've got to pay to be a volunteer for this tournament. I have never liked that. Never liked that, period. And the, the high amount that you have to pay just to volunteer for this tournament turns off so many people to do this. It really does. And it, it, for me, it's just like, why would I want to volunteer when I'm not going to get, you know, I, I'm just going to watch golf. You know, it, it just boggles, but boggles my mind. The people pay to volunteer for it. And I know you might love the tournament. And I love the tournament. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But it's just to, I get paid to do this show to the media. To cover it for you, the fans. That don't get a chance to go to the tournament. Because you're maybe working during your first shift. Maybe you're working third shift. You don't want to stay out and go watch early golf. You want to sleep. I'm going to be here to, out, here to cover it for you. But the fact is that you're you're paying to volunteer. It just it just doesn't make a, make sense. And then you make the tournament Labor Day weekend when you've got competition for between the National Football League and final week preseason, 
you got first week of college football. You've got the third week in high school football. You've got the kids back in school. Colleges are back in session. Why make the tournament that weekend? Why? They said this year it was because they wanted more of a field to, to be in the field. Well, what killed this tournament more was that you didn't have the Corda sisters. You had, you had of course, Lexi Thompson. You had Brooke Henderson. You had Minji Lee. You had all that. But the problem was some of these players missed the cut and come Saturday and Sunday when people are looking for Stacey Lewis or, or, or some of the big names, Minji Lee, they're not there because they missed the cut. So you set it off as a closed course. You have 156 golfers, and then they cut it down to 75. And I don't know. It, it, if you would have had the quarter sisters with this tournament, I think you would have drawn better ratings. You would have drawn more of a crowd because the, they, they were putting this, the lightning in a bottle from the Solheim Cup from last year. And they said, you know what? We're going to put this in a bottle. We're going to put it for the Dana Open and move the tournament then. And don't get me wrong. Friday and Saturday, uh, Thursday and Friday's being there on the course, it was very, very quiet because the kids weren't in session. And if you want to grow the game more for women in golf, especially young girls, you don't do it when they are in school. You don't. You don't do it when they're in school. So, if we keep this tournament, if this tournament stays, one, it has to be combined between the three glassmakers in the city of Toledo. That's number one. Number two, we need to close off the volunteer situation. It needs to be, it needs to be closed off. You don't have, you shouldn't have to pay to be a volunteer. And if you do pay, you're paying a small amount. You're paying a small, small, small amount to be that. Okay? That's number two. And number three, you move the tournament back to being what it is in July. So that A, you get more volunteers. B, you get you get more of the younger audience that wants to be there. And C, you get the competitive play. And then I'll, I'll say it, another one. You open up the field, and you, you try to increase the purse a little bit more so that you would have a quarter of sisters. You have somebody to come play it. But overall, you know, this tournament this year, if I have to give it a, a rating, I give it a C+. They took the lightning in the bottle from Solheim, figuring that they could pull it off for this tournament, and it failed. But we had a great day. We had great days out there, except for Sunday when it was absolutely miserable. I, I can tell you, I was cold. I was damp. I wanted to get out of there as soon as I could. I wanted to do the Sunday show from there. I was soaked. I got my equipment out. It was damp. I had to let it all dry out. That's why we didn't do the final episode of the show until Monday. Labor Day Monday. Because I just, I wanted to make sure everything was all dried out and ready to go. So, if you were wondering why 
The show was not posted until Monday. That's why. That's why right there. But they are playing this weekend in Cincinnati, which is the inaugural Kroger Queen City Championship presented by Procter & Gamble. Right now, Jin Lee 6 leads the tournament at 13 under par. Azu Lin at 12 under par. Ali Ewing at 11 under par. Mira Fossey at 10 under par. Sarah Kemp, 10 under par. Megan Kang at 9 under par. Andrea Lee, 9 under par as well. Uh, Nasa Hadakora, 9 under par as well. Anna Norquist at 7 under par. Leona McGuire, 7 under par. Brooke Henderson tied for 15th at 6 under par with Mira Alex. Emma Talley as well as at 6 under par, tied for 15th. Drakeberg, 5 under par as well too. The defending cha the champion of the Marathon Classic, Gabby Lopez, is at 5 under par. She's tied for 22nd as well. Jessica Corda, 4 under par, tied for 26th. Uh, Hannah Green, 4 under par, tied for 26th as well too. Um... Diana Finkelstein, three under par. Lindbergh, three under par as well, too. Brooke Matthews, three under par as well. Uh, Gian Kim, three under par as well. Paula Ritu, two under par. Paula Kramer is two under par at, at tie for 45th. Uh, Sarah Schwartzel, two under par. Emily Skosel, two under par as well, too. Mina Haggai, two under par as well, too. Chalatoy, tie for 61 at one under par. Danielson, one under par as well. Yuka Sasa, one under par as well. And... Only LeBlanc, one under par as well, too. Players that missed the cut at even par, which was the par today, are the following players. Jennifer Cupcho, Ann Van Dam, Lucy Lee, Amy Olsed. You also have Stacey Lewis, Miriam Stackhouse, Minji Lee misses the cut at one over par. Uh, is that who I think it is? Well, I think that is. Yeah, Allison Emery misses the cut. At two over par. Brittany Ademeyer, two over par, misses the cut. Lexi Thompson misses the cut at three over par. Kelly Tan, three over par. Clemente, who qualified again for the third straight week in a row. Gianna Clemente, 14 years old, qualified again for the tournament. Misses the cut. At two over par. To be at three over par. Jin Lee 5 misses the cut at 6 over par. Urban misses the cut at 11 over par. And Jennifer Song withdrew at 4 over par with illness. So we'll see how it all shakes out. Round 3 tomorrow on the Golf Channel starting at 2 p.m. It goes from 2 until 5 for you guys there. So there's the golf. Of course, uh, PGA happening was happening this week. The BMW has been suspended. As they were over in, what's they were over there and they have suspended play, and we'll explain why here in just a little bit. Uh, also, other news and notes: uh, the pass along the NHL Traverse City camp begins on Monday. Uh, looking forward to seeing this camp take place. It is going to be a huge camp in Traverse City, Michigan as the Blue Jackets will be taking part in this camp. They will be taking on, they'll be taking on the Detroit Red Wings, as well as the St. Louis Blues and the Toronto Maple Leafs. So it will be coached by Trent Vogelhuber, who's the head coach of the Cleveland Monsters. Uh, some of the players that are going to be playing in this group will be Kent Johnson, 
as well as Owen Sillinger, Jordan Dumas, Luca De La Baluz, uh, Ben Boyd on the forward side. On the defensive side, you see Cole Clayton as well as Marcus Bjork and Denton Matichuk as well. The goaltending is, of course, Jet Reeves and Pavel Kanjin for the Jackets as well. Uh, news and notes around the National Hockey League, of course. Uh, you know, it looks like Eric Carlson says he hasn't asked the San Jose Sharks to trade him amid their major changes in the offseason. Uh, Eddie Olchek has announced that he will take over the Kraken job for in in um, in Seattle. Uh, five players have been inducted into the USA Hockey Hall of Fame. Ryan Miller being the big notable one for that. Uh, that's huge. That's absolutely huge for the the game of hockey. Ryan Miller going in. Steve Cash going into the Hall of Fame as well. So it, it's good to Jim Johansson as well. So good to see that. So the training camp begins. And the Traverse City Tournament begins. And then we get into training camp for the National Hockey League. So it's all coming together. The fall sports are starting to start up. And training camp for hockey will begin. Which means the walleye will begin pretty soon. So I'm looking forward to that as well too. Uh, Right here on the Anchor Network. As you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network. Whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. And now let's talk, let's dive into the final segment of the show, which is which is Andy Rants for you tonight. So it's now time for Andy Rants tonight. And if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, then what are you doing? Hit the subscribe button. We do podcasts each week, two times a week this week, right here on the Anchor Network, of course. And, uh, uh, you know, if you want to follow the show, follow us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred, as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. So there is that for you guys tonight. Um, two two things tonight in the Andy Rant segment. One is what I witnessed today, as well as what I witnessed Wednesday. Wednesday at evening, I got a chance to reconvene with Robert Logie Bear Carr, the source, and Phil Bennett. We all got together. We and with my friend Wes, we all got together and sat and watched the Mud Hens take on the St. Paul Saints at Fifth Third Field. There was probably about two thousand six hundred. I think it was two thousand six hundred. What the attendance was for the game on Wednesday night. This gentleman, who you see usually if you watch a Mud Hen game and you sit, you watch it on BCS, and there's a gentleman behind home plate who wears these big headphones and glasses. Now. We're towards the end of the season, so there's not that much left of, of stock left in the back of the of the food concession stand area. So I noticed when I was getting my chicken tenders and fries and my my ice cold Budweiser, I noticed that the souvenir cups were not souvenir cups; they were just big Pepsi cups, but they were the plastic Pepsi cups with the plastic lid on top of it. So I said, all right, no, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get that. I was just going to get a beer no matter what the situation was because I felt like getting a Budweiser. Anyway, the gentleman that sits in that spot behind the home plate in the glasses began, came back up to the counter, was raving and yelling at the volunteers, saying, 
This is not a souvenir cup. I paid $6 for a soda in a souvenir cup. And I didn't get a souvenir. This is not a souvenir cup. This is a regular cup. I want it half price. I want it because it's not a souvenir. Listen, buddy. These guys, these people are volunteers who are trying to raise money for their charitable organization. And you yelling and screaming about a stupid souvenir cup. How dare you? How dare you? First of all, it doesn't look like you need to have extra sodas. You have four hot dogs in your tray. Like you need a soda. I bet you'd be a diet soda. That's one thing. But just to, to be riddle and to be late, these people who are just trying to make money. I have done it. I did it in the past. When the ballpark was built in 2002, I was at my alma mater, which is Toledo School for the Arts, and I would volunteer from 2006 to 2008, every summer, any chance I got a chance, we volunteered for it. The booth was open for us. I volunteered because I was I loved to help people getting their food, and I got to watch some baseball and be in the ballpark at the same time. So volunteering and seeing that, and I raised money for my school. Never had that many people complain about like my food taking or my drinks or anything like that. I worked with my principal, Mr. Howard Walters, over the situation. I love working with the guy. And the man is a is a gentleman. He is a scholar. I miss him every day. So but listen, but listen. To belittle and to berate somebody because the cup is not a souvenir cup where you have season tickets every day every year and you buy a drink probably every time you come. Do, do us a favor. Maybe not buy a souvenir drink when you come. After all, you spent over $20 on hot dogs. A hot dog's $4.25. You bought four hot dogs, that's $17. Think about that, buddy. Don't be little and be rate the volunteers. Don't. 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 It's for shame. And then this evening, I was coming home, back to the West Salida Studios, coming home to my home, and there was this lady. I went to my uh, restaurant, one of my favorite restaurants, fast food establishment, the Lord's Chicken, Chick-fil-A. Got a spicy meal, a strip, and a large drink. This lady, coming down Sylvania Avenue, stands in the dead middle of the road, not caring, not caring about her safety, anything. She wanted to be hit by somebody so she could get something free. And I, I, looked, I looked at her, and I sat it out, I, and I became... Like that guy belittling and berating somebody. But for the love of God, the light is green, the street is open, and you know, people are whizzing by, and you're playing Frogger. She was about 10, maybe 15 inches away from being hit by me. And she didn't give two shits. And I rolled my window down and tell it out, and I, you know, I, I call, I used an Xfinity. I, I said, you know, I called her the B word. 
I called it an SB word, which is a stupid. Why would you want to walk out in traffic? People are some sometimes people. I think what Ron White said it best: you can't fix stupid. You just can't. Just can't. So that's part one. The second part of Andy Rants, of course, tonight is what we have what we heard yesterday afternoon, of course, and that was the sad tragedy that is that the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth, has passed on at the age of ninety six. Uh, I've always been a fan of the Royals. Uh, I've always been a big supporter of the Royals, and to see this happen is just a tragedy. You know, and she was thrown in to the lifestyle. She just celebrated her 70th, the platinum jubilee of her existence as the Queen of England. And she has been absolutely one of the best to ever do it and now her legacy and her history the history has just I don't know it's just it, it, it was sad when I found out about it I, I heard she was in bad health um, when she was in when I heard she was in bad health I knew something was wrong I even called my mother and told her about it and I said, you watch and see she either pa- she passes in the next few days, let alone she passes a few hours after I told my mom about that. So, you know, it, it, it's it's one of those things that, you know, just makes you think, you know, you know, what... The uh, you know what the meaning of life is. I'm learning about that in my RCIA classes right now. And this woman devoted her con- devoted to her country at a young age and loved it and cared about it. And she will be sorely missed. And now her son, Charles, becomes the new king of England. And then after Charles's passing, it will be who is now Prince, Prince of Wales. Prince William will become King William. And then Archie and then... We'll go back to Charlotte, but that's gonna that will be after I'm gone and passed in this world. So, our thoughts and prayers are with the royal family. It's a, it is a day of mourning. The BMW, all of England sports have been put on postponement for the next twelve days as we mourn the mother, the queen. Queen Elizabeth, dead at the age of 96. 
to officially say it now. The queen is dead. Long live the king. We'll be back on Monday to recap week one of the National Football League. My take on the Lions and the Browns. Week two of college football. BG's home opener as well as all the games. As well as an MLB and LPGA recap. I close tonight with the British National Anthem. God Save the Queen. In a memory of the mother. Queen Mother, Queen Elizabeth. And remember to follow the show on Twitter at all Andy Alford, as well as Facebook.com slash all Andy Alford. Until I talk to you on Monday, this is Andy Alford saying I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home, and to my teams, victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. We now close tonight's show with the British National Anthem. God save the Queen. Have a great weekend, everybody. And I'll talk to you on Monday right here on the Anchor Network. Love you.